Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Good morning. I am Bill McCaskill. I think there's a slide up. That's my name. And uh, so I, uh, I, I, I marveled at uh, Pastor DeMaster's uh, pedigree and seminary and extra study on Christian thought. Um, I'm a doctor, but uh, I'm not a doctor of theology. I'm a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, if you have any dog or cat questions, um, I'm happy to answer them. Um, we, can, we can deal with that as well. Um, so I, I came at church. I'm, a ch I'm an old uh, church planner. Um, I still, still uh, have a heart that's very much on fire for that. Um, uh, Aaron has invited me uh, to be his mentor uh, as, as an older gentleman. Uh, which I'm, I'm very much enjoying that time. Um, I, I noticed on the way in, uh, I live in uh, New Holstein, and uh, kind of watching in the swamps for all the orange pumpkins in trees and sitting in stands, and mine's in the freezer from bow hunting, so I'm not hunting today. But I just want to uh, pray for their safety. Uh, you know, these, these loved ones of yours are out there slaving, trying to uh, save money by... Uh, getting getting meat for the freezer. Um, when you fig factor in the cost of the gun, the housing, uh, the extra sausage preparation, um, you can honestly uh, import Wagyu beef from Japan and, <laughs> and come out ahead. I figured it out. It, it's about $100 a pound, but you know, they're not sitting in a bar yet, I hope. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. I will introduce myself. I'm here this morning primarily to encourage you, um, to encourage Aaron as well. Uh, I uh, have chosen uh, the opportunity to speak from, from 1 Timothy. I love the relationship between Paul and Timothy. We're going to explore that a little bit and uh, it's a little bit of my, uh, my relationship with, with Aaron. Let me pray and then I will introduce myself a little more in in detail. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this chance to be here. Um, been here a couple times in secret, and uh, I love the vibe uh, that goes on here. I love the passion. I love the mission. Uh, I love being here at 715 and watching it all happen. Um, Lord, just bless this morning. I pray that every word I speak and every uh, word that people hear would be uh, a word that you want said and that you want heard. Um, you want to shape us and move us and, and coach us uh, in every way that you do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I am a church planter. My wife and I um, have been involved in church planting. Uh, my wife passed away just a year ago with ALS, so she was my ministry partner um, for all our marriage. We started in a church plant in uh, um, in uh, Shawano, Wisconsin. I was a veterinarian at Bondwell, if you folks know where that is. And uh, started uh, with a, a young pastor that was about 21, uh, Paul Johnson. Um, you know, we all have a, a person in our life we consider our pastor. Uh, I've had a lot of pastors since Paul, but he'll always be my pastor. He's the guy I go to uh, when I'm having trouble. Um, and then we, uh, we moved to Fond du Lac and, and we're the, the first couple 
at Community Church just a little bit down the road back in the day. And back in that day, Fond du Lac was a wild and untamed land. And, you know, it's still pretty wild <laughs> and still pretty untamed. Uh, my wife and I uh, launched from uh, Community Church in Fond du Lac and started New Life Community Church uh, as the lead pastor couple um, in the year 2003. So at age 50, I took on uh, the mission of church planning, felt very called by God to do that. Hardest thing I've ever done. Hardest thing we ever did as a couple, but so, so worth it. And I want to encourage you here this morning in that. I, uh, incidentally, um, I'm what your ADD child grows up to be, so um, be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit random, and I do like the rabbit trail. My, my granddaughter, Kara, I, I suggested to the family I want to write a book about my, my life as a large and small animal vet. She said, oh, that'll be great. There'll be like little dotted lines with arrows, and then there'll be a whole different story in the margin, and then the little arrows will dot back to, the, back to the story. And I'm like, I think that would sell. I, I, I think we're going to do that. So um, consider this just kind of a walk in the woods with me. Uh, we're wearing orange. We won't get shot today. But uh, I do see things, a squirrel, a flower, and just go with me. If, if you need three bullet points and an outline to follow, uh, this is going to be a rough morning for you. Just, just sit back, enjoy the ride. I promise you, if you stick with me by the end of the thing, we'll be back to some sort of resolution in, in this thing. So my first question I have on there is who am I and why am I here? Uh, I've obviously told you my name is Bill McCaskill, and uh, I'm here to encourage you. And I'm here to love on you. I'm here to remind you that what you're doing is such a valuable thing for Final Act. I know how hard it is. Uh, already this morning I was reminded, as there was all kinds of technical glitches, that the devil is still your most faithful attender. And he was always the most faithful attender in every church plant I've ever been in. And he just hates church planting because it, it, there's such a great return on investment for helping people find Jesus and helping to grow them in Jesus. It's really hard. Stuff goes wrong. But we prayed him away and um, he, he is gone. Uh, Aaron obviously asked me to, uh, to coach him a bit. Uh, and uh, I want you to uh, think of me more as Yoda and, uh, you know, not, not doing it himself, but, uh, um, but there for the young Luke Skywalker. Um, Aaron was concerned about the illustration. He says, does that mean I go to the dark side? I said, no, not necessarily. But I'm here to tell you that the force is strong in this one. And, uh, but he's headstrong. And I know how hard it is to follow a visionary. If Kathy was here, she'd be going, mm-hmm, yep, it is. Um, and he is. And I'm here to encourage you to uh, uh, encourage him uh, as he continues to, to dream big, as I know the leaders here and, and the people here are doing. And uh, uh, I, I will be happy 
uh, as his Yoda uh, to coach him in, um, in all things uh, related to sword play. Um, I noticed that uh, on, on his bio that he's a karate instructor. Um, I too uh, uh, have uh, practiced martial arts and have learned the samurai sword forms, which every guy should know. So we can sword fight, and uh, I'll, I'll teach him the, the fine arts of samurai sword use. What a, what a magical relationship. <laughs> I did tell Aaron, if you get a deer, uh, just, just text in. You know, we'll, we'll be happy to stop the service and, uh, and adore the, the deer that you've shot. He said, don't hold your breath. I'm not that good at hunting. So. Paul and Timothy... I want to preach on that a bit. I'm going to watch my time. I have until 9.15. Um, Paul and Timothy in the Bible is, it, it's probably one of my most uh, uh, precious uh, illustrations of a relationship between an older, older church planter and Paul, an old apostle, and, and his young charge. And uh, I love the relationship they have. Uh, it's in, second, in his uh, second missionary journey, if you will, in the book of Acts, that he meets Timothy. And Timothy's an interesting guy. He's, um, he's what in Hebrew is called a mumzer. His dad was Greek. His mom was a faithful Jewish lady. Um, Timothy was never circumcised. Um, and because he was a mumser, um, he was not availed to anything to do with the temple worship. He had to go it alone. It is said, Paul suggested that his uh, grandmother and mother were women of great faith. And Timothy was just this outsider kid. And I, we don't know how old he was. Young people could be up to 30 in the, in, as they refer to them in the Bible. But it's not lost on me that after Paul met Timothy uh, in, in Iconium, if you remember that time, Paul was stoned um, by people that came in from the outside to make trouble for him. Uh, and he was left for dead. And he was stoned and left for dead. They dragged him out of the city and dumped him. And his, his uh, disciples gathered around and said, well, what the heck are we going to do now? <laughs> They didn't say that, but I think they, they were thinking that. And, uh, and Paul revived. And the Bible says the first thing Paul did is he went back into the city. <laughs> now, who in their right mind, after you've just been nearly killed by people throwing rocks at you and burying you in them, you're left for dead and dragged out of the city, goes back. There's every speculation that he went back for Timothy. There's something he saw in the young man that he said, I need, I need this young man to be on my team. I need him to be a part of that. He went back in, uh, I really do believe, and, and got Timothy out of there because it's shortly after that we start seeing illustrations of their relationship. I love the way that Paul um, focuses on the important I love that in Paul's writing, he makes sure that the main thing ends up being the main thing. And I want to encourage you here this morning as a church uh, to keep the main thing the main thing. And we're going to 
check into that in a minute, and, and by the end of this, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what the main thing is that's supposed to remain the main thing. Let's get to the verse, sound people. Uh, I'm only going to preach out of one verse this morning. I'll have some other verses that I'll, that I'll toss out there. If you've got your little note card, you can at least jot the reference in so you can perhaps look at that later. Um, among a lot of things that Paul said to Timothy, he said this, Timothy, the goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere thing. It's not emotional love, it's agape love, it's self-sacrificing love. Paul says that's the main thing in your church. And Timothy was facing a lot of things. He was in the middle of a doctrinal uh, turmoil. There were uh, people that were trying to make the main thing not the main thing, um, all kinds of weird things. It's, you shouldn't marry. They had a, a special dietary laws. They were trying to bring all kinds of things in that sounded a lot like human control to me um, to, to take over and to make it something else. And I'll tell you, in church planting, I've seen people make the not the main thing the main thing often in people that I've coached, in churches that I've followed, and it's always sad when that happens because the Bible tells us to keep the main thing the main thing. And it should always be love. You know, it's, it's easy for um, uh, performance excellence to become the main thing. It's important, but it's not the main thing. Uh, you know, churches need money. Uh, it's easy for money and the, and the chase for that, and we were always broke. Uh, it's easy for that to start to act like the main thing. It's important, but it's, it's not the main thing, is it? Um, there are, uh, you know, we, we, I believe in metrics. I believe in measurable goals. I believe in all the things that organizations need to do to, to help track things. And all those are important, but they're not the main thing, are they? Doctrinal purity is very important. But it's not the main thing. I know a church that was banning books that I considered pretty good books from their library. And I called the pastor. I said, is, is doctrinal purity trumping love in your church? I felt I needed to answer the, ask the question. There's so many things that crowd it out. There's egos. There's things. There's, you know, and, and as people that attend new church plants... Um, we want to check all the boxes for exactly what we want out of a morning service, don't we? And you know, checking all those boxes on a morning service for the things that you really like to see happen at a church isn't even important. And it's clearly not the main thing. I love the vibe here at Centerpoint. It's, uh, Aaron is apostolic, he's an evangelist, and this church will always be about finding lost people, bringing them to Jesus, and growing them up in Christ. And I'll tell you what, however hard it gets for that to be the mission uh, and the motivation being authentic, 
agape love, it's worth any price you pay. It absolutely is. The goal of this command is love, keeping the main things the main things. Paul also says in Galatians 5, 6, you might want to write this down. The only thing Paul said that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That sounds a lot like what he just told, told Timothy. And Jesus himself in Matthew 22, 36 to 40, um, the rabbinical tradition was uh, that if you were a great rabbi, a great theologian, a great scholar, uh, people would ask you, uh, of all the commandments, what's the most important? Can you, in all your knowledge and, of the law and all the, the things that, that are a part of the law, um, what does it all distill down to? And uh, the great rabbi would pontificate and, and tell what he has distilled all that down to. Well, a rabbi asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In essence, you're a rabbi, uh, give us your spin. Tell us your philosophy, what does it all boil down to? And this is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. In other words, the second is almost equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus knew what the main thing was, didn't he? And he told these people, keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus quoted the great Shema to hear, hear, O Israel, that the Jews still, still quote today. We can find it in Deuteronomy 6.4. Keeping the main thing the main thing. And I will keep on time having the main thing be the main thing. The main thing is love. It's sacrificial love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Agape love is, uh, is that, that love that, that only comes from God, isn't it? It's, it's having a capacity in your life for messy people like yourself. It's understanding grace. It's it's being able to extend that grace that you've received from Jesus to other people. And it's, it baffles me that uh, uh, people that are saved by grace become very, uh, very judgmental of other people <laughs> that need grace. And I challenge them on that. I'm like, wait a minute. We're all saved by grace. When did you become a Pharisee? And sometimes they take it pretty well. Other times not so much. Uh, a pure heart. It comes from the Greek word uh, katharos. So, I mean, think of it, cathartic. It's, it's uh, a pure heart is, is a heart that's, that's clean and clear. And, um, and I ask you as, as followers of Jesus that um, are, you, are you guarding your heart? Are you, are you analyzing from time to time your affections? Are you sorting through that? Um, I'm reminded of this verse in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, throw off 
everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that. And then a good conscience. I, I pray frequently. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a messed up guy. And uh, if we have a guardian angel, um, I, will, I will know mine instantly. Uh, he'll be the guy, uh, the angel guy. I don't know if they, they're like guys or, or you know, what they are exactly. But he'll have a, a, a poorly shaven face, hollow eyes, a facial twitch, and he'll be smoking a camel cigarette, staring at me and twitching. It's a filter cigarette. We're talking heaven here. <laughs> but that will be my guardian angel. I, I, I have I, I got how God has been as patient as he has been with me through all of my shenanigans, um, good, bad, or indifferent. I have no idea, but he is. But are we willing to, to, to sit down with God? And this is the question I ask frequently of God in my journaling. I'm a huge journaling freak. If you need encouragement to do that, please talk to me. It's life-changing. Um, I will ask God, God, is there, is there anything about my life right now that is in between you and I? I don't... Uh, there's times I feel he feels distant. Um, there are times he chooses to feel distant, distance, I believe, to test our faith. But there are, there are times when I need to ask that question. And frequently he'll say, yeah, there is. The song about this is my surrender, I, it's something I'm holding on to. It's something I'm not surrendering. And he's asking me to do that. That, to me, is that good conscience. There's nothing in between God and I uh, that's, that's hindering his, his involvement in my life, the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life. Uh, and I do this all so incredibly imperfectly. I confess that to you. But then uh, this idea of, of a sincere faith. I, the second verse in Hebrews of that uh, verse 1 and 2 is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter perfecter of our faith. I think sincere faith is that. It's you and I living out our faith expressed through love, sacrificial love for others. It's living out that faith and that love with our eyes completely fixed on Jesus. Is there ever a moment where you're living your life and there's a sense that right now I could not look Jesus in the eye? <laughs> I think most of the time he'd look back with eyes of love. Uh, sometimes he'd look eyes with, uh, eye at me back with eyes that go, what the heck are you thinking? There, but I always want to be able to look Jesus right in the eye and feel okay about that, right? He's not asking me to be a perfect. He's just asking me to be his. He's asking you to be his. If there was ever a time when the world needed men and women, boys and girls that followed Jesus to be what they're supposed to be, I for one think it's now. If there was ever a time in history where 
people seem more lost and confused. I don't know when it was. Um, you and I, as followers of Jesus, have the opportunity to be reflectors, image bearers of the Father's glory in a world that really needs us to be. Right now, millennials are leaving the church by throngs, and it's because they see uh, hypocrisy. They see faith that isn't sincere. They're looking for something real. They're looking for real. They're looking for, uh, for something solid. And that's the kind of faith we're supposed to have. I remember going to the Cave of the Mounds. How many have been there? It's down by uh, um, uh, Cave of the Mounds. Um, and uh, they do a thing there where they get you back in there and then they turn the lights out. You realize how dark it really is. And then, they, and then some guy like, lights a match. And it's like what that little tiny match does to that dark environment is just amazing. All of a sudden you can see the shadows and the stalactite mites. I forget which goes which way. But all of a sudden it's, it's just amazing. And that's the picture that the Bible has for you and I in a dark place, in a dark world. We're supposed to be children of the light. We're supposed to be children who reflect the Father's character. And if you keep the main thing, the main thing, love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, you will be that kind of light. You will have that kind of margin. You will have that kind of capacity for messed up people. You will have a love for them. You will have... Uh, an ability to, to welcome them not only into your life, but build a bridge for them to get to know Jesus and see what Jesus has for them. I never get tired of changed lives in church planting. Because church planting is a safe place for people that are afraid of church to show up. It's a place for them to start hanging around with people living a faith that's evidenced by love. It's a chance for them to get their sea legs in, in a non-judgmental environment and figure out what it's all about. And I never get tired of seeing that moment when somebody gets it. Somebody finds it. And then when they come and tell me a verse they read that really helped them, I'm like, we're there. They're actually using the Bible. It's a wonderful thing you're doing. It's a wonderful thing you can be doing. And I just challenge you as people that are part of this church plant, um, and you'll see more of me. I, I rarely get invited to speak twice, but that's for a variety, for a variety of reasons. Um, I just encourage you to stay strong, stay faithful. Not faithful to Aaron, faithful to Jesus faithful to his calling for you. Uh, you being here honestly uh, is, is a calling of sorts on your life as well. It's your opportunity to make a difference. It's your opportunity to, to be a difference maker in Fond du Lac. And Fond du Lac needs a church like this. Fond du Lac needs Centerpoint. You guys are unique. Um, 
you're well-placed to get the job done. Um, and uh, as Yoda would say, no try, only do. <laughs> I will do my best um, to keep Aaron from blowing things up. I'm not his coach. I'm just his mentor. The difference, a coach tells, tells the, the coachee what to do. A mentor is available uh, to talk. Uh, that's what I will be for Aaron, and uh, I look forward to a growing relationship with he uh, and his family and uh, doing what I can uh, to keep him from making all the same mistakes I did. <laughs> At the end of the day, people have asked me, what have you learned in, in your experience with church planning? I said, um, I, I greatly underestimated the impact that the devil would have. Spiritual warfare is real. Um, it's terrifying. And uh, we experienced it many times, um, primarily as he attacked my, my dear wife. That's a different story for a different sermon. Um, I greatly overestimated how my great abilities would move things along and I greatly underestimated what God, the Holy Spirit, would do all by himself in spite of my foibles and mistakes. You know how terrifying it is for a congregation to realize that their lead pastor is a veterinarian <laughs> and really doesn't know that much. But I was a business guy, and they were letting people from the business world get into church planting. Um, but doing church like a business, while parts of it might be important, it's not the main thing, is it? I just challenge you as I close, in your life and in this church, um, and my challenge will always be to Aaron, keep the main thing the main thing. As people from the community look at Centerpoint and, and what you're doing, uh, let it always be said, those people are really weird, but there's love there. There's authentic love there. There's authentic acceptance there. Um, people are finding freedom. People are finding forgiveness. People are finding love. People are meeting somebody very special and we think maybe his name is Jesus in a new and fresh way. Um, I pray for Centerpoint a lot. I love your little prayer corner. Please be a part of that. Uh, I am a prayer guy. I will continue to pray and encourage. Um, and if anyone has any questions about church planting, any things you need to tell me about Aaron... I will be happy to pass that along to him. <laughs> uh, let me close in prayer, and I just want you guys to know I love you. I, I want to encourage you. I want to be for you uh, in the way that uh, a Yoda might be for your young Padawan pastor. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Centerpoint. Thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, and to encourage People. I know what life is at three and four years into a church plant. Leaders are tired. People are tired. 
people start to wonder if it's worth it. May you remind us with every experience and every story of a changed life that this is so incredibly worth it that we could not imagine doing anything else. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us and being so patient. Guard this church, shelter this church, protect this church, grow this church, lead this church, inspire this church to take even larger risks. May it be for Fond du Lac everything, Lord Jesus, that you have on your heart for it to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.